astrology, feng shui, tarot, crystals. We've all heard about these practices, but what does it all mean? Each week, Mom and me will dive into these topics to present them in an easy, digestible 20 minutes. From full moons to celebrity charts to even red doors, Mom and me will share personal, shocking, and wow factor stories. Welcome back to another episode of the Mom and Me Astrology Podcast. My name is Kate Wind, and joining me is my mom, Mary Swick. Good morning, Kate. Good morning. Today, we are talking about Venus, and we are going to be talking about Venus in all 12 of the signs. So um, if you listened to last week's episode, we said, grab your chart, make sure you know where Venus sits um, or what sign Venus sits in your chart. And before we get into that talk today, we... um, one of our first episodes that we did on the podcast, so this is like two years ago, yes. we talked about how to better better understand each sign by talking about what holiday falls within that 30-ish day period. Mm-hmm. Valentine's, it's, a great, it's a great insight. Yeah. Valentine's Day falls into Aquarius season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Valentine's Day is kind of a world holiday. It's the widest celebration as it doesn't... Uh, cater to any sort of religion or philosophy. So it's very open to all. Even children. Even children. Yeah. And even now like Galentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it that is very Aquarian, right? Mm-hmm. It's just something that's open to all. Mm-hmm. The big tent. Yes. Um, but the other thing, you know, you might be thinking, well, love, how is that Aquarian? Because I think so many people assume like Aquarians are aloof or they're disconnected or there's a detachment. So I thought we'd go maybe into how this fits into that archetype of Aquarius before we get into the Venus interpretations. Well, I have an interesting thought. When you meet a couple at some point, and usually usually pretty soon in, you oftentimes ask, how did the two of you meet? Mm-hmm. Tell me your story. And many times it's kind of code for like, how do the two of you get together? <laughs> right. <laughs> how did your paths cross? Yeah. And we generally, I, I have, every time someone has asked me that, you know, I have a story. If I ask it back, they've got a story and it's kind of happenstance. Right. Yeah. It was a blind date or we started talking, you know, when we were in line at the grocery store. I mean, they're really odd stories. I mean, there's a wide variety of how people have met their mate, so to speak, or their boyfriend or their girlfriend, right? No, I mean, me and you both have interesting stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I just thought this is this is just a great example of Aquarius is the unexpected. You know, you go someplace, you're not thinking you're going to meet someone you're going to spend the next 30 years with. (laughs) You know, it's the last thing on your mind. True. You know, and then oftentimes you meet them and it isn't like sparks fly like crazy. Oftentimes there's some connection. You know, just, you know, something meaning maybe what they're talking about. You have some tidbit, the fact that you're rendezvousing in the same place at the same moment. Right. Like we both know the same person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think even when you picture Cupid, 
Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we think of Cupid as like, oh, cute. But I mean, mm-hmm. he's he she's kind of mischievous. Right. right? Very. Running around uh, naked, I think, <laughs> or mostly naked. Right. I think he, I think he flies around. <laughs> flies around. OK, <laughs> even better um, <laughs> with a bone arrow kind of slinging that the arrows haphazardly and recklessly. Yeah. Kind of chaotically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when you think of that, then you think, oh, yeah, that can be kind of Aquarian, a little untraditional. Right. What's your story? What's your story? How did you meet this person? Yeah. Um, I think you also wanted to talk about something that just happened. I know it's going to sound like we're oh. talk- changing subjects, but we just had the Grammys. Oh, yeah. We just had the Grammys and there was some unexpected stuff there. Uh, could I just mention the best song of the year went to Bonnie Raitt. And um, I had, I mean, I could see the shock on her face, but I also kind of could hear, I didn't really hear, but the groan of the audience, like the shock, maybe. Um, So um, I thought, oh, we have to look at Bonnie Raitt's chart because here we are close to Valentine's Day, unexpected, an arrow got shot in a different direction than what maybe people thought it would. And so just for astrology's sake, I was fascinated looking at Bonnie Raitt's chart that, you know, she won because of a song that is related to donation of organs after one dies. And you you can listen to the song to get the just the more detail about it. But it is that idea of a mother donating her son's heart after he has died. Uh, And here comes Pluto in her chart. Exactly. Solar arc Pluto is sitting on the seventh house cusp. Pluto is all about death. It is all about recycling. So her her, it was a perfect timing for her to be launching that song. And then on top of it, Uranus was opposing her son. That would only happen once in a lifetime. Yeah. Uranus well, opposing and- son, the unexpected. Yeah. Well, and Pluto is that cycle of mortality. So oh. the idea of like, you know, a child passing, but then giving someone else new life mm-hmm. due mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Uh, the organs. Yeah. But so yeah, I just Uranus, thought. Very shocking. <laughs> Very shocking. And I think it's, it's more of an, I don't want nothing. I want to argue with anybody, but that's why she won (laughs) right there. (laughs) That's why she won. You know, uh, they can say it wasn't the best song. It's not the most listened to. That's for sure. Of other people she was up against. And I'll need to Google. I'm sure I've heard it, but I don't. Yeah. Yeah. When you're talking. I I had never heard it. Okay. So I, I was one of those going, what, what's this song? So I had to look into it. Okay. But anyhow, there, I, it's a great Venus, it's unexpected. And, and by the way, uh, Bonnie rates Venus is in Capricorn. So we'll be talking about that as we go through. Okay. Awesome. So as we mentioned today, we are talking about Venus commonly referred to as the planet of love. So, um, before we go into that and cover all 12 of the signs, we're going to hear from our sponsor, Leslie Logan. Hello, Mom and Me Astrology listeners. My name is Leslie Logan. You may remember me from the recent Aquarian episode. How are you? I am sure you are so excited to listen to today's Mom and Me Astrology episode, as am I, but I wanted to invite you over to listen to the Be It Till You See It podcast when you are done with this one. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts. Every single week, I bring on guests like Kate Wind to share different ways we can all take messy action, ditch perfection, and be it till we see it you know, the person we want to be that we keep saying someday I will be, well, why don't we just do it right now? And so every single week, my guests share 
actionable steps that we can take to be it till we see it. And then my husband, Brad, and I come on later in the week to discuss what we learned from that guest, share our be it pod moments and more. So join us over at the Be It Till You See It podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can check us out on Instagram at the Be It Pod. Okay, welcome back. So we are about to go through all 12 of the signs in regards to Venus. And a better way to describe Venus is the who, what, where we find love and beauty in our lives. So of course we can look that is a mouthful. Of course, we can look at the placement of Venus as well in regards to the house that could provide even more detail. But today we're just going to be talking about what sign does your Venus sit in and what kind of insight can that give in your life? Yeah, we are going to mention house placement though, if, because some people might know it. So you can, you can pick an interpretation up twice. If you know your chart, what sign it's in is one interpretation and what house it's in. So we are going to cover both of them. Okay, perfect. So let's start with, because we've been talking about Aquarius, we're in Aquarius season. We'll talk about what if your Venus sits in Aquarius mm-hmm. or it sits in the 11th house. Right, right. We have two great role models for that. Uh, Marilyn Monroe, for those of us who have vivid memories of her, and Oprah would be another more current example of that. And uh, again, interesting, it does apply for both of them. <laughs> Generally, these individuals make surprising choices in love. Yeah. And, you know, we know Oprah Stedman's in her life, right? Her best friend, you know, she's never, she's not followed the traditional route of marrying. Mm -hmm. Marilyn Monroe, on the other hand, had affairs that were quite notorious. And she really had a wide variety of um, dedicated relationships as well. Yeah. Uh, Venus and Aquarius might place more value on connections of the mind over the heart. Mm Mm-hmm. So they might be very interested in someone that they can banter with a lot, that they can talk about business ideas. Right. Um, It's more of that mental stimulation sometimes over just the heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And friendship is a key word. Venus and Aquarius, you may say things like we started out as friends. We were friends for several months before we started dating. Right. So it's oftentimes it starts as a mutual admiration society. You know what I'm saying? I like, I like the way you think. Yeah. And they may tolerate some unusual behaviors by their spouses or their partners. Uh, Maybe things that other people perceive as off-putting or kind of odd or quirky. Oh yeah. Yeah. What they do for a living, what they do in their spare time, you know, maybe even something physically about them. Uh, That that's classic Venus and Aquarius or the 11th house. Yeah. And the last thing is that I think the Venus, the person with Venus and Aquarius needs to maintain that individuality, even in committed relationships. They do. They do. They need that sense of independence that they can go do something without checking in. Right. Yeah. Certainly not being micromanaged by a, by a partner. Right. Next, we're going to talk about if your Venus is in Pisces or if it's in the 12th house. And we should mention some people might be saying, oh, mine's both. Right. And so that's really oh, double, yeah. it's like double downing on the energy if, yes. if you relate to both of them. Um, but if you're saying, oh no, my Venus is in Pisces, but it's in the first house, you would listen to Venus and in Pisces interpretation and Venus in the first house and then kind of blend yeah. those two. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I like the Venus and Pisces is is actually considered it's considered one of the best placements of Venus. And yes, it represents the intuition picking up on the other. So picking up on the partner so you can see how they can have a leg up in relationships because they already know what the partner wants. They already can see what they need. So not everyone will will thrill to that energy, but a lot of us like it when we our needs are being met. Yeah. Well, so you so want to look danger, for someone that has Venus and Pisces. <laughs> well, yeah, you want to look for, yes, exactly. Here's yeah. the danger. The danger of the person with Venus and Pisces or in the 12th may lose themselves in that cause. Right. right. So very unlike the Aquarius that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Venus and Pisces can immerse themselves in the relationship. Totally. And maybe, maybe to their detriment or, you know, a decade or two, they get lost and then they find themselves. And so it's not a a sentence, a life sentence, but they have to be careful of how much they self-sacrifice or they get overly involved in their children's storylines or their spouse's storylines, you know, their partner's storylines. Yeah. Uh, Venus and Pisces might overlook some obvious flaws. Um, right. You know, it can be kind of like that rose colored glasses dilemma. Um, so even if friends yeah. or family are kind of alarming, alarming them about it, they might still choose to just overlook it. Yeah, that that's that's one of the drawbacks. Um, I think they're also drawn very much to artistic expressions and healing. So uh, lining up with someone who's in the healing industry would be likely. But they themselves, of course, may uh, be a great uh, uh, customer of uh, of a massage therapist or, you know, anyone who's offering alternative healing methods that they, they get a lot of, um, I don't know, it's, you know, it's an invisible thing that you're getting. It, it makes you feel really good on some level. You're doing the right thing. Yeah. Next we have Venus in Aries or the first house. And I have both of these. My Venus oh, well, is in Aries. Well, <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell us about yourself, Kate. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, Venus and Aries might love um, kind of adventurous dates or travel. So instead of, I guess, if you were trying to date someone, right, or trying to woo someone that had Venus in Aries, I would say maybe not take them to just a, a sit down dinner, but to do something kind of creative or something that is more adventurous. So hiking, wind sailing, something that offers some friendly competition. Yeah. What about that next one, Kate? <laughs> tough love are you are you a proponent of tough love i don't know if i am <laughs> i don't know either but i mean it, it it can be not you know these are not cookie cutter that everyone's identical you may relate to one more than the other one but one of the themes is oftentimes of kind of wanting to be truthful this is this is how i see it i don't think this is a good idea you know rather than maybe overly protecting the feelings of somebody which we can go to that, you know, Venus and Pisces can go there real easily. You may try to really, and you may do it diplomatically, but you're trying to convey. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't have called it tough love, but I mean, like when I was in the dating arena, I was just like very factual, like, okay, is this going to work or is this not? Like, we're not like sugarcoating this. Okay, well, there Um, we go. Even like when Mikey and I met, you know, we were messaging back and forth on 
Tinder and then we exchanged numbers and we were texting there and I'm like, no, we're not just going to keep texting all night. Like I'm a FaceTime you to yeah. make sure you are who you say you are. Right. Yes. You look yeah. like you said you did. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's uh-huh. not a wife sleeping next to you right now. If you can pick up the FaceTime <laughs> at 11 PM at night, like we're probably good. So <laughs> that's um, what you were thinking. Yeah. That, and that well, Venus and Aries is a little bit taking a little charge, definitely yeah. taking a little more charge, being a little more proactive. Yeah. And I would say you probably love partners who build or who maintain with something where they can produce uh, tangible results and oftentimes coming from very traditional masculine domains. Right. Uh, that would be a classic Venus and Aries. Aries being very masculine, your Venus is there. So being drawn to those that work in traditional masculine environments. Yes. Next, let's talk about Venus in Taurus or Venus in the second house. Mm-hmm. And this is also considered a very favorable placement for Venus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is usually this is a great sign for some sense of a great um, love story in your life. Uh, something that gives you a lot of um, security. So, yes, it, oftentimes when I see it in a chart in a 30, 40, 50 year old, oftentimes they have assets. Yeah. They have married well in life or they have partnered in the business world well with another partner and accumulated wealth, built wealth. Yeah. And I mean, that sounds all very positive. I think yes, the maybe harder part of that is that they might put up with some stuff in relationships and business partnerships, relationships, because uh, they don't want to shake things up like um, from a material standpoint where they might say, well, I'll tolerate that because this partnership or this union does provide me some sort of security Oh, right. Or financial. Yeah. Financial gain. Absolutely. There is a there. Yeah. Taurus is can be loyal, maybe sometimes, you know, stubbornly loyal, even though in the face of certain activities or certain events that really are offensive to you. But you could, particularly when there's some joint finances going on, is more apt to tolerate or to and I'm not saying welcome it in. Right. Yeah. They're, they're doing something to try to manage it, but they have to manage it in order to, you know, keep things going. Yeah. If you were taking someone with Venus and Taurus on a date, right? Oh, <laughs> you yeah. know, it probably would be beneficial to talk about like <laughs> what you own <laughs> yes. um, or kind of like your money status. Mm-hmm. And I think it'd be beneficial to maybe take them to some sort of um, artistic performance. So maybe attending a grand revenue or a concert or even a recital. Right. Yes, that's absolutely true. Uh, and then we have Venus in Gemini or the third house. Um, you know, this is a person that likes introductions. Hmm. So, and again, I, it could go both ways. They just like to introduce themselves. They can walk up to someone and say, hi, I'm so-and-so, you know, immediately start chattering with them. Or they like the idea they meet people and then they, oh, and this is so-and-so. Oh, and then all of a sudden you have, oh, like 20 new people that you can work the room and get to know each person. So they really like that floating, that connecting, building those connections or finding the connection. They meet someone and go, gee, you know, do you live in that neighborhood? Well, I know someone down the street and, you know, start doing that game. And I think they, they love it. Yeah, Venus and Gemini might not be attracted to like a homebody. I think they, you know, I think they want people who can make connections for them. 
Mm -hmm. Like they love that idea of like, okay, let's divide and conquer, you know? Yeah, Um, exactly. I also think that, you know, Venus and Gemini would um, enjoy travel opportunities or things that um, allow them to see more. So I'm, I'm thinking of Mikey, right. Where he drives Mm -hmm. cars. Oh yeah, sure. Gemini, the wheels. I mean, it just, it's classic. They might put more focus on their vehicle, whether it's a a 10 speed bike, a racing bike, you know, whether it was a go-kart as a kid, you know, they get joy out of things that move. Yeah. Yeah. And also the idea that they love language. I'm not saying that they have the best vocabulary, but they love people who speak in a pretty distinctive way. Mm-hmm. And that could be a heavy accent of some sort or someone who's very funny, sarcastic, stand-up comedy, I would think would be speak their language. They love that nuance of language. Yeah. Um, next, we'll talk about Venus in Cancer or in the fourth house. Mm-hmm. And for them, I would think there's a great need for intimacy. So whether that's snuggling, back rubs, touching, I would think maybe their love language could be physical touch. Oh, I'm sure they love someone to put their hand on the lower back of their, you know, their of their yeah back. Lower back. You know, what I mean <laughs> that just that just is really you know very calming, reassuring, not too aggressive, right? Yeah. Um, but they, they, they love, they're looking for safety and they're looking for financial prosperity. That is a big deal. Venus in cancer. Yeah. Now, again, this is maybe a little bit of the drawback, but this also is maybe what's interesting about them. They, uh, they are prone to either, of course, maybe being the drama person, creating the drama, or they could just be good at tolerating drama. Mm. Tolerating a child who has huge overreactions on things, or of course something more threatening, prone to uh, someone who has an addiction, uh, something of that nature, and uh, you know tolerating the drama that comes with it, or maybe what we have to go through, particularly with children, their stages that they go through that are like, oh my god, yeah. So anyhow, that's that's Venus and Cancer is. Uh, can certainly oftentimes suggest that idea of indulgence, taking the easy way out, um, you know, but it, it, it loves, it loves that luxury. It loves that sense of security and yeah, it loves Venus, a great sense of home. Yeah. Venus and cancer might be more apt to stay in touch with childhood friends, old coworkers, or they might always be trying to like cultivate that sense of family. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. And, and the last know, thing about that is they might also be very sensitive to rejection. Big deal. Yes, that is. Yes, they may feel someone's betrayed them. And yes, uh, the darker side of Venus and Cancer is they may enjoy revenge. And not that they personally inflict it, but they may love karma coming back around and hitting that person in a way that, uh-huh, they, 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 they got you. Right. <laughs> Next, we'll talk about Venus in Leo or in the fifth house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Big energy, uh, that Leo energy, the need to stand out, to be seen. Uh, and to be honest, looking for those that can appreciate what they're good at. I mean, who wants to play a piano if nobody wants to listen to the piano, right? right, right. If you're a piano player, you're going to look for someone who, who likes it. Oh, I love piano. 
right? So they are looking for an audience on some sort. They generally have a lot of warmth about them. They generally have a lot of good cheer. I oftentimes they're natural cheerleaders, so to speak. So they can entertain, they can lift the mood in a party. Uh, you know, you know, they have a little danger there. Yes, because if they're always lifting everybody up, they can sometimes, you know, attract those that are a little glum or those that are, you know, that have nothing going on, so to speak. So that, that's a sensitivity in that area. It's not mandated, but it is because they're always putting on this up show. Yeah. I think that they might um, show their love in kind of grandiose ways mm. or more public ways as yeah, well. We talk about Leo. Mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking about Tyler, my mm -hmm. brother, you know, when he got married, he oh, wrote a song, right? Or, or he took a poem right and then had his friend perform it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know like kind of on stage like there, there was a show he yeah. put on a show essentially i mean he coordinated it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um at his wedding so that just a little showy yeah yeah even and i do think that their um like egos need to be stroked by partners yeah i get it uh and venus and leo this would make total sense when they're on they're on and then they need to drop they do need that kind of quiet and maybe dark time even uh, in the in the week. It, they've got to have that because they, you just can't stay up all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Venus in Virgo or Venus in the sixth house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know we put down Julia Roberts as an example for this. Well, again, if you go back to the movie Pretty Women, we watch this transformation. You know, when she goes in the store and wants to buy something a little bit nicer and she gets rejection. So then she goes someplace else and finds she's finding herself through purchases, right? In, yeah. At one point, but she's being uplifted. And this is this is classic Virgo. They want to always upgrade the mundane aspects of their life. Yeah. So the idea of finding the better store, the better car, the better shampoo, uh, the best vitamin, um, uh, a bigger TV, you get it? Yeah. They're, they're always, even, you know, because many of us maybe don't trade our cars as often, or maybe we don't upgrade things as often. Virgos continually feel that the need because they like to refine something and make it better. Yeah. And they get yeah. joy out of it. That's the, this is the thing. Venus is where you find love and happiness and contentment. So it's, this is not just, uh, wild spending. Well, and that's the thing is like some people might say, oh my gosh, buying the car is the worst process there is yeah. where someone with Venus and Virgo might enjoy that idea because they, they are really excited about that upgrade. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Venus and Virgo might also seek partners who can speak well or kind of expose them to a bigger vocabulary. So they might be really into someone who loves books or someone that's a writer, someone that's very articulate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, they do have a tendency to admire anybody who's, you know, like a, who they may know famous people who've made major contributions or they may recognize of this whole team. This person is the one that made the most. They offered the most kind of humanitarian uh, side of themselves to the project or to the money, to making donations to good causes, things of that nature, right up that Venus and Virgo line. Yeah. Lastly, because they're all about refining, you know, mm -hmm. they also might really refine small kind of motor movements. Mm -hmm. So they might be really into golfing or yoga, things that, you know, you're like, did 
did you even change positions, but, oh, you got a better swing out of it. So clearly you did, Um, but it's that refinement. Mm -hmm. So again, that could be like a fun date idea or if you're trying to, you know, win over uh, Venus and Virgo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Next, let's talk about Venus in Libra or Venus in the seventh house. Right. That uh, we have Grace Kelly again, she's passed, but she was the ultimate, you know, beauty queen, so to speak. And Hugh Grant, again, someone who is certainly kind of falls in that area that you'd like to have Hugh Grant over for dinner. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There's something about them that they add some grace or some sophistication to the party. So again, uh, if you're looking for dates, the Venus and Libra, they would like to go to some sort of event where there's maybe a uh, wardrobe is dictated, wear something particularly nice, mm. you know what I'm saying, or something where there's going to be some formal introductions going on. They may love that kind of sense of royalty, that sense of being seen, kind of the idea of being introduced into society. Yeah. Really, and they may attract partners who have achieved that so that they can join in with them. Or of course, they may be big proponents of refining the partner to be, to join in at that higher level, get a promotion, those types of things. Yeah. Venus and Libra could be more competitive than people realize. I think so. Uh, Yeah. yeah. And I would think they set pretty high standards for their partners. Mm -hmm. So one, they, they could just naturally marry up. Right. So they could have high expectations and partnerships, or, you know, if you're with someone that has a Venus and Libra, they might have some really high expectations from you. Yes, that's right. Right. But generally Venus and Libra, again, they're kind of have some Virgo quality that almost sounds like they want to raise the standard of living. They like the idea of standing out, being invited, being included, receiving an invitation, even if it's through social media or it's through the mail. They love that. Send them an invitation. You are invited. We want to honor you. Ah. Yeah, we've joked about Venus. I'm sorry, we've joked about Libra. Where, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's the scales, they're, they're uh, balanced. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've joked that, yeah, they're maybe some of the most imbalanced people. Right. And not as an insult, but you want them to be the one that brings the dessert because they're not just going to bring one little plate. You know, they're probably going to bring like 10 <laughs> different offerings. They do things in excess. And mm-hmm. so when we have Venus and Libra, um, you know, they could be, be a little bit overindulgent, if you will, maybe with with how they give love could be an all or nothing as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Next, let's talk about uh, Venus in Scorpio or Venus in the eighth house. You know, the one thing that I've thought about these Venus and Scorpios, they really push, they really push their limits, so to speak. And obviously many times we can think of athletes that really, you know, push the limit here. Uh, we could think of Serena Williams, Tiger Woods would be two examples, but also we could think of the traditional Demi Moore posing nude pregnant on the front cover of some magazine. So there, there's an intensity, there can be a drive uh, that is really, I mean, it's, it's overwhelming to, to see it to see it in action at least. So there can be a much, much deeper sense of love, commitment. Um, and the interesting, there can be really interesting stories about inner beauty versus outer beauty. Mm. Uh, I want you to think of Beauty and the Beast. That that kind of is their movie, so to speak. That sometimes they see the, they see the drive in somebody else, the ambition in somebody else, and they go, I want to be a part of that. 
Yeah. Even if they're not the most attractive person in the room. Yeah. Venus in Scorpio probably could be a little jealous. Um, I think that they're always striving for more. Yes. And there might be some, well, of course there's like a love of mystery there or the not knowing. So they might stick around a little bit longer in relationships to find out like, what is the true story here? Well, they might do a lot of research too. Well, that's true. (laughs) They may ask a lot of people, what what do you know about this person? Right. That's true. But they would like to go to one of those mystery rooms, you know, solve mystery, things of that nature, great dates. Um, I would think Venus and Scorpio might, uh, you think they'd root for the underdog? Yeah. 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 Cause they like the drive that it would take to beat the system or whoever it is. Yeah. Uh, Venus and Scorpio could also be very passionate, mm. um, and very loyal. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's one thing Venus and Scorpio, even though they know you did something, they know you shouldn't have done that. They may be most forgiving or certainly like, okay, that's that's not the person that I'm, you know, that something you did, they can isolate that as something you did, not really you. Yeah. I don't know Angelina Jolie's chart off the top of my head, but like when she wore that little vial of blood around her neck, oh, oh, you know, that mm. to me reminds me a little bit of Venus and Scorpio, but yeah, I don't that know would be, that's yeah, no. actual no. placement. I don't know either. Could get into that darker kind of side as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Next, we'll talk about Venus in Sagittarius or Venus in the ninth house. Yeah, you know, I'm sorry, but I got Venus in in Sagittarius. And I I do, I've always, I've always said I fall in love with people's brain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, that smart people, it's people that know something in some area that I know nothing about or something, of course, I'm interested in learning as well. And even if they have flaws, I can steer right around them because I'm very interested in their intelligence and or people in the know, uh, people that can uh, show me a new world or, or give me reason to enter into this world. You know, even being ignorant, but let me in, so to speak. Let me hear what you're talking about. Love that energy. Yeah. Sagittarius does rule that idea of higher thinking, philosophy, and religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you go, go back to the story about how mom and dad met, you know, that was one of the, if, oh, you've talked about it on the podcast before, but you know, one of the opening lines, my mom said to my dad was, what's your astrology sign? Right. You know, which was pretty taboo back in the eighties. And was, yeah, right. It was kind of tired. Seventies was the hip time to be asking that the eighties. It was like, are you still talking about that? Right. <laughs> and you know, when dad answered and he knew his sign or maybe even knew his moon oh, and rising yeah, sign. Right. And that, you know, I think right? That was part of like the attraction there. Like, okay, like you can talk these untraditional thoughts or philosophies. Oh yeah. I apologize. Sort of- I said, oh, I'm sorry for asking that question. He goes, no, he took my hand. He goes, no, I believe in astrology. Well, that was it. I mean, <laughs> I, I found somebody who was in the world that I wanted to be in. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Sag- also, uh, Venus and also, Sag- if you have Venus and Sagittarius, most likely shortly after you meet, there's a big trip involved. That is classic. You know, I met your dad and then, you know, it wasn't more than, you know, a little, uh, a year, year, 18 months later, we were moving across the country, yeah. you know? Um, so it, it's classic that they want to take you someplace. Yeah. Uh, Las Vegas. Yeah. Las Vegas. <laughs> 
<laughs> Lastly, we'll talk about Venus in Capricorn or Venus in the 10th house. And our two celebrity examples for this would be Elvis Presley and Prince Andrew. And Bonnie Raitt. Oh, Bonnie Raitt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, they align with it, that concept of family very strongly, uh, but they do look for partners who can conform, who can, you know, go with that lifestyle. Uh, again, Prince Andrew is controversial, needless to say. I don't think he brought all these women into the castle. <laughs> I suspect he kept them at distance there, but this was a fact that he wasn't going to hang out with them after maybe that one time or that type of thing. But anyhow, they're drawn to lifestyles which project wealth. Um, and, uh, they, yes, they can have a high libido. Absolutely. But they oftentimes, they, they commit very slowly. They really kind of put the partner through, um, a lot to test them. Uh, Mm. so they are discriminative. Yeah. I would say. I think they do value legacy as well. Yeah. Um, And they might be really turned off by intimidators, wannabes, uh, knockoff design purses, (laughs) I think they really see the value in like the real deal or yeah, yeah, something that is high quality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We do put that, you know, they like to keep their private life private. I think it's kind of hard when we're looking at these celebrities, but it is very possible that, oh, we don't even know the tip of the iceberg with it because you would think, well, they're celebrities. We do know quite a bit about them, Uh, but. Oh, I don't think we know the half of Prince Andrew. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, like we think we know a lot, but it's probably right, just the tip. Do, yeah. Yeah. So uh, there can be great focus on keeping private life private. So they could be people who don't necessarily like PDA. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What's that word when you can um, box something off in your brain, you know, you can compartmentalize. Yeah. They're great compartmentalizers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, that concludes our talk today on Venus in each of the signs and houses. So we hope that you got to learn a little bit about your chart or even your children's or your friend's charts. And we look forward to speaking to you guys next week. Take care. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Mom and Me Astrology Podcast. To keep in touch, follow us on social media at the underscore Kate Wind. And to see a list of our services and our store, you can visit our websites at thekatewind.com or maryswick.com. We'll talk to you next week.